It is disgusting to see what's happening on college campuses and around the world. Protests, Israel, the oppressor, Israel, the occupier, Israel, the hater. These are kids who have been indoctrinated now. The indoctrination process has been going on since the 70s. When in fact, what's happening in Israel, what's happening in Gaza is part of a long slog of history that has been completely perverted by not just academicians, but also the media. There is a nexus, by the way, and you're going to hear all about this because I've got an expert coming in in just a moment who's going to slice and dice this for us so well that you're going to come away from this interview, not just better, better educated, but you'll be able to speak with your friends and your neighbors and perhaps even people in your church who are not getting this one right. You'll be able to watch the news and say, that's wrong. That's not true. It's a fantastic interview we have planned with my friend, Dr. Charlie Self. When I had my radio program in San Francisco from 2002 to 2019, he was my very first guest, and he was a guest every week thereafter. He's a very, very popular national speaker, and he's also a, a wonderful author. In fact, I'll show you a screenshot of his latest book. It's called Life in 5D, A New Vision of Discipleship. So this is a, a wonderful book. It's a pastor's guide because Dr. Charlie Self, besides having three degrees in history, is also a pastor. A pastor's guide to fruitful work and economic wisdom, understanding what your people do all day. That's a summary of the book. His website is drcharlieself.com. I call him Dr. History, the man with more degrees than a thermometer, <laughs> because he's got his three degrees in history and his one degree in theology as well. So with that in mind, this is a treat. You're going to learn a lot. And I guarantee there will be moments in this lengthy interview where you're going to be, you're going to find yourself a bit agitated because the truth has been so buried by this current culture in which we live. That said, without further ado, here he is, Dr. Charlie Self. When I look at what's happening, gosh, there's just so many things we have to unfold in this discussion. When I look at what's happening right now with that surprise attack in Israel, that was heinous, animalistic violence. That was the absolute worst that mankind could possibly bring. It was demonic. It was horrendous. Dr. History, when you saw the news last weekend, as all of this was beginning to unfold, I want to know your initial thoughts. You used every adjective, and I could add more, to the unqualified evil of what we saw. And what is what is almost as bad are the thousands of people around the world acting like Israel's at fault for this moment. And um, we'll get into that as we talk a little bit more about the history. But this was not a military operation trying to simply gain territory or fight soldiers. This was mass butchery. And um, in every religious tradition, every philosophical tradition, when people talk about warfare 
and they talk about just wars or fighting wars, uh, they all mention that it's supposed to be combatants. Well, in this case, it wasn't combatants, and, and these are not militants. These are terrorists destroying human life because of an ideology that sees all Jewish people as subhuman. Let's get to the genesis of this. And I know what you're going to do. You're going to put one of your one of your academic degrees into play because this goes back to the Bible, doesn't it? This this animosity between these two people groups goes way back. Take us to the beginning, brother. Well, the animosity comes back to the children of Abraham with but it's very important that people understand that biblically, though God chose the children of Isaac, Jacob, um, and, and chose the particular tribes of Israel. He chose those tribes to bless the whole world. And he did not fail to bless Ishmael, who became the father of most of the Arab nations. Ishmael was not rejected in terms of being cursed, but simply wasn't the vehicle for the specifics of what God wanted to reveal to Israel. The animosity was there, but people forget in the Bible <laughs> that uh, Jacob, uh, you know, that, that Jacob and Esau, the descendants, they reconciled. People forget that all through history, uh, God uh, blessed the various Arab nations when they turned to the one true God. The real source of the animus that you see here is the rise of Islam in the seventh century, and this this religious tradition is a militaristic conquering tradition. By the way. They claim Jerusalem as a holy city. It's not even in the Quran. But what Islam believes specifically is any territory conquered by a Muslim army is forever Muslim territory. And therefore, of course, the whole goal is global domination. Mm -hmm. Therefore, um, they they understand the world as theirs. But we'll get to the Middle East specifically. Uh, so that's a couple of markers to be really clear about. God did choose the Hebrews, the, the ancient Jewish people, to bring his blessings to every other nation. And in our New Testament scriptures, in the Christian scriptures, we find people from uh, Arab nations, people from North Africa, people from every continent uh, turning to Christ through the Jewish Messiah, Jesus. So... Um, now, our Jewish friends, we owe a huge debt of gratitude for the foundations of the universal Christian faith, uh, the foundations of justice and morality found in the Mosaic Law, the foundations for justice and liberty found in the prophets, the foundations of our wisdom and legal structures found in the wisdom writings. So we owe a huge debt of gratitude to this small group of people who have blessed the world. And in turn, well, first of all, I want to really underscore something you just said, because it's important. For thousands of years, these two people groups got along fine. Yes. It wasn't until the rise of Islam that there started, well, they didn't get along just fine, but there, there, were, there were moments of great reconciliation. That Correct. would be a better way to say it. Yes. But it wasn't until the institution of Islam that we started to see the ratched up violence, correct? Yes, and let me add one more uh, historical marker. 
most people use the word Palestine to describe this geography. That is not the original name for this land. That was a Roman invention after 135 AD, after a second Jewish revolt against Roman uh, oppression. The Romans scattered the Jews. There were still a few that were there, but the, the Jews were scattered. And they renamed the entire region instead of Judea, Samaria, Galilee. They renamed the entire region Palestine as a deliberate insult to the Jews, naming it for the Philistines yes. who came from Crete and listened to this and settled in Gaza. And so the, the, what the Romans deliberately did was rename it Palestine and tried to pretend there was never a Jewish presence. Uh, by the way, that kind of erasure of history is exactly what radical Palestinians have been doing since the 1960s. Yeah, and, and radicals of all stripes, because I'm thinking of what Karl Marx once said, history means nothing. So if you can erase the history, you can start anew. But let's return to that history for just a moment. Uh, why is it that Islam is called the religion of peace? Well, people misunderstand. Um, and by the way, there, uh, you, you and I are not going to have to overqualify this. Uh, we have Muslim neighbors. We have millions of people around the world that are culturally Muslim that want a better future for their children. I'm going to leave that one qualifier there and now get at the heart of the actual theology. Because like all religions, you've got people who actually believe the book and the teachings and live it out. Uh, with great intensity, and you have those who just go along for the ride. So I'm going to leave those going along for the ride for a moment. But when when a when a Jewish person greets you, they say shalom. They'll say shalom uh, or shalom alechem. In other words, peace peace be to you and peace and prosperity be to you. The Arabic equivalent and the Hebrew and Arabic languages are similar is salam, and they, those are beautiful greetings. And so people have confused Islam with salam. And they said, well, Islam means peace. Well, there are peaceful Muslims, but Islam does not mean peace. At its core, the Muslim religion is a religion of submission of the individual to Allah, of the Muslim caliphate or the Muslim nations to Allah and the teachings of both the Quran and the Hadith or traditions. But it also means submission of all other people. Now, if you're a Jew or a Christian in some more benighted areas, they'll let you have second-class citizenship, provided you pay a high tax and are prohibited from being in several professions. Um, but generally speaking, I mean, not just generally speaking, there is no history at any time or place of Islam ever creating a democracy hmm. or true toleration among religions. There were moments of scholars talking moments of peace, but always in secondary submission or dimitude. So Islam is about submission. You know, the highest value of the Hebrew scriptures and, and, the, and the Greek scriptures of the New Testament, the highest value of the Bible is love. Not a cheap feeling, but the deep love of God. The highest value in Islam, though there is love there, of course, because they're humans made in God's image, the highest value of Islam is submission. Hmm. And it's oh. a completely different system. I have a, a friend uh, who I'm in, uh, in a, a, an international Bible study that's on Zoom 
every Saturday morning. He joins us from Kurdistan. Uh, he is a former Muslim sheikh. So he is a Muslim scholar, uh, recognized as a, a Muslim leader, but he had a conversion to Jesus, a very powerful conversion to Jesus. And now he is a pastor in Kurdistan. And he's probably the, the, the most prolific evangelist currently in Kurdistan. He understands that religion like no other. He has told me that there are 99 different names for Allah. Not yes. one of those names is love. Yes. Now, what does that tell us, Dr. History? It, it is about submission. And the Islamic religion conceptualized by Muhammad, but only codified 150 years later in the Quran. Right. There, by the way, we have no early manuscripts of a Quran. Uh, early editions uh, were burned and destroyed, and the Quran was finished to justify the conquests of the 630s all the way to the 780s. Hmm. And so, uh, but in the Quran, um, you will find those 99 names in the traditions, but the highest virtue uh, by the way, no, they, they never talk about intimacy or relationship or personal connectedness with God the way the great Hebrew and Christian scriptures do. It's always about submission. And it's always about consciousness of God. But the idea of relationship is almost blasphemous. By the way, this religion is also a conglomeration of bits of Judaism, bits of Christianity, and a whole bunch of Arabic tribal religion, including the very Kaaba stone that is at the center of Mecca today. Um, Muhammad, as a military and political leader, was brilliant, in, in, in demonically so, in bringing together these bits and pieces to conquer a peninsula and eventually lead to the conquest of most of North Africa, most of Asia Minor, and a good part of, of Southern Europe. You know, in the Bible, as you mentioned early on in this discussion, uh, the Bible says he's going to bless, you know, those descendants of Esau. And certainly when you look at that part of the world, they have been blessed with oil. They're very, very wealthy nations. But it's interesting because when I when I look at, for example, you know, the, the Saudis, uh, the, the, the Saudi royals, uh, they seem very calm, cool, collected, obviously incredibly wealthy. But then, and, and you see that throughout much of the leadership in the in the Arab nations, the Muslim nations. But then you look at what's happening in, in the area, the Palestinian territories. There's 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 no wealth. It's abject poverty. And, and that it would seem to me that these people are being purpose. rubbed raw. They're just being indoctrinated and rubbed raw, yes. almost to be a burr in the side of Israel. Now, that's my take, but what about yours, doctor? Well, let's get right to the contemporary history. So yes. our Jewish friends have had a continuous presence in the Holy Land for over 3,000 years. And even the biblical minimalists, the most secular archaeologists go, yeah, there really was a David and Solomon. There really were Jews in the land. Mm -hmm. They have a continual presence. Fast forward to 1947. In the shadow of the Shoah, in the shadow of international uh, chaos, mm -hmm. the United Nations partitions what were sort of mandates supervised by Europeans, but they be, they create a huge kingdom of Transjordan or what becomes Jordan. Mm 
They take the other 20% of the entire uh, mandate there and divide a little tiny piece for, and here's how they did it, Brian, this is so important. The little piece that became the modern state of Israel was where there was a majority Jewish population for over a century, where they had purchased land legally under the Ottoman Empire, where they had revived, where they created Tel Aviv, revived the swamps, transformed the land. Little tiny piece. The rest, Jordan was the Palestinian state. By the way, Palestine was a construct of the 1960s. It was not an identity for anybody in the Holy Land until the 1960s. Right. All the Arab nations try to destroy Israel. They fail in 48. They fail in 56. They fail in 67. They almost succeeded in 73. But they fail at every point. And as a result of 1967, Israel gains territory. It's called war. And you gain territory. They had access to the holy, the holy places in Jerusalem. And what's the first thing Israel does? Give multi-religious and multicultural access to the holy sites and offer up to 97% of all that territory for peace. What do all of the Arab nations say until 1978? From the river to the sea, we're going to destroy you. And, the, and they would not assimilate the refugees. 400,000 in 1948, and their descendants number 5 million now. They would not assimilate the refugees. They purposely left them to fester in camps in Jordan, in Lebanon, in Syria, in order to have generations of terrorists to destroy Israel. Okay, Uh, you're saying something that most people are missing here. And the first part of it is, I'm just going to walk through what you said, because I want to reiterate this. If for no other purpose, just for my own. But I'm sure that the listeners are getting new information from you, which can all be verified through history. But the first thing is, when Israel was recreated, this nation had been gone for, well, the better part of 2,000 years. 1,900 years, yep. So the, the nation is reformed, all part of biblical prophecy, by the way, correct? Correct. Okay, so you have a nation reforming. But prior to the nation being recognized by other nations of the world, Jewish people were legally buying land and and probably overpaying for that land as they reestablished the region, correct? Correct. From the 1840s all the way to the 19, really about the 1920s, 1930s, that's what's going on. They are transforming the land. I want to add one more little detail nobody knows. 1922. King Abdullah of Transjordan, after World War I, large kingdom, says, I'll give you a Zionist enclave. I'll give you a Jewish homeland in my kingdom. And guess what? The vast majority of the leaders of the movement said, yes, we'll take it. We just want safety. But the jihadists, led by one of Yasser Arafat's uncles and mentors, the, uh, the Mufti of Jerusalem, Husseini, declared jihad and did not let that happen. So both right after World War I, not only the Balfour Declaration of the British, but international treaties from 1918, 1919, 1922, 1929, uh, other reports all said they deserve a Jewish homeland. They, they didn't even say what it looks like, but they need a safe place. 
And in the wake of the Western nations and the global nations refusing to take Jewish refugees being annihilated by the Nazis, they carved out this small space that was already a majority of Jews. Mm -hmm. And people don't understand that. It wasn't, there wasn't displacement of Palestinians. This is not a white colonial project. Right. This is a Jewish enclave. And by the way, 80 nations of Jews live in Israel. Okay. So now once Israel is, is reestablished, Muslims were invited to stay. But instead, you had this mass exodus trying to run to these other Arab nations. They're running to their brothers, probably fearing, you know, propaganda and annihilation via the propaganda. Anyway, they ran to these other nations, their brothers, and they were not accepted, correct? Is that what I'm hearing? Correct. They were accepted by Jordan, um, and they were starting to be assimilated. And then King Hussein of Jordan had to kick out the PLO and Fatah in 1970 because they were going to topple his kingdom. Um, And by the way, Jordan and Egypt were in the 70s and 80s finally made peace with Israel and they've reaped the benefits of that. Mm -hmm. Um, But these they, they were deliberately left to fester. And then with the support of the KGB, all the radical factions created the Palestinian identity. Right. Now, please right. understand, Arab families had lived in this region for centuries, but there wasn't a national identity. You were no. under the Ottoman Empire. Right. You were. It was your village. It was your tribe. It was your region. And so rather than assimilating them or making peace with Israel, they deliberately created this powder keg. And that's what Gaza is a is a version of right now today i know that when uh when israel and you could probably walk us through there was a it was a diplomatic um turn of events and israel gave the west bank to the palestinian to the palestinians the west bank yeah yeah and 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 i if i remember correctly now maybe i'm mixing it up with another part of that area and you'll you'll quickly jump in and, and correct me sure but this was the area where they had wonderful, beautiful, productive, profitable greenhouses. Was that the that West was Bank? Actually, that was actually Gaza. Okay, that was Gaza. I'm, forgive me. No, no, that's fine. But but they had but they when they seceded beautiful. that land, Gaza, it was turnkey. They could have come in there and had a wonderful, thriving opportunity for. A cash flow stream coming into the into the into the Palestinian territory, but instead, no sooner did they get Gaza, they tore it apart. They went in. All the greenhouses were broken and smashed and dismantled. Glass was taken. Aluminum was taken. They killed all the plants. And to to me, this this sounds like this sounds like animalistic behavior. What was going on in that particular incident? In two thousand five, Israel left. Gaza. By the way, they had offered it to Egypt back in 1978, and Egypt said no. <laughs> By the way, they gave the whole Sinai back to Egypt. Okay, but people don't realize this. They offered Gaza. Egypt said no. We don't really want that because of all the militancy, all of the problems that are there. So Israel had military occupation. They had some Jewish settlements in Gaza. 
and they kept the peace. And then in 2005, as part of a phase, they also were getting ready on, on what you called the West Bank, Judea, Samaria, parts that were gained in 1967. They've offered up to 96% of that territory for a second Palestinian state. I call that second because Jordan was the first, but they offered it and a capital in East Jerusalem as late as 2015. And at all points, Arafat and Abbas said, no, we want it all. Hmm. And so Hamas, Hezbollah, Islamic Jihad, the radical wings of the PLO, their charters have never changed. Hmm. It is the destruction of Israel. And here's something that the West doesn't understand. And the destruction of the Jews. Uh, there are people that want to say, well, I'm just anti-Israel, but I'm not anti-Jewish. Well, first of all, there's no one more critical of Israel than the Israelis themselves. If you've got five Israelis, you have eight political parties. Okay, the Israelis themselves have a lively democracy. They're arguing all the time. Netanyahu pulled back from some of the judicial reforms that were needed. They, they're politicians. It's crazy. Israel is a crazy democracy, a crazy startup country with two million Arab citizens, with Arabs on the Supreme Court, Arabs in the Knesset. You Glad you're mentioning a, that because most people do not understand this. Continue. You will. They fly the rainbow flag in Tel Aviv. It's the most gay-friendly city in the world. You will not find a bit of that vitality, freedom, anywhere in any of the nations surrounding Israel. What's so stunning to me are all of these uh, gender anarchists in the West saying, we stand with Palestine, you would not be standing in Palestine. Hmm. You would be in prison at best in, in any Arab territory. But what we have is demonic alliances between radical, pagan, secular, left-wing folks, the globalists, mm -hmm. and Islamic jihadists. And I want to say it again. It's a demonic alliance between pagan, secular globalists and radical jihadists. By the way, both sides think they're going to win, but they both hate Judaism, mm. hate Christianity, hate even the enlightenment, uh, even the secular enlightenment of human freedom and dignity. They want to destroy that, and therefore they ally themselves with each other to destroy their common enemy especially Judaism and Christianity. So let's talk about what's happening on campuses in the United States of America. I, countless campuses had big rallies on Thursday because they're pro-Palestinian, anti-Israel, pro-Palestinian, stand with the Palestinians, we're for the Palestinians, Israel are the terrorists, I, I want to go back to what you said just a moment ago. If these kids on these campuses understood that some of the lifestyles that they're all for, if none of those lifestyles would be tolerated even for a second in these Muslim nations. It would be off with your head and then some. How, and this is the what, thing what is happening don't... on our campuses? I mean, you're a professor. What's going on? Brian, I, I, I'm a professor. I'm a thoughtful person. I look at every one of my neighbors as a divine image bearer. But I also have a Bible that says that the world is under darkness until it turns to the Lord. 
that there are strongholds and evil that blind people to the truth. People are willfully blinded to the truth, and they've literally done what we call in psychology, they've done projection. Everything that they themselves actually represent, they're projecting onto Israel. Calling Israel apartheid when she's in fact the most diverse area in the whole Middle East, calling her Nazi when she is the, the great victim of real Nazism, calling her calling Gaza an open-air prison, Israel gave it back. Now, a couple of times she cut off electricity and water when she was being bombed, but she turned them back on. Israel has not made any major incursions into Gaza until today, uh, over a 17-year period. So it's, but you see, what they do is they believe a lie, and that lie spins more lies. Mm -hmm. Oh, the entire project of Israel is a European white settler colony. Uh, no, actually, it's refugees from 80 nations finding the only place in the world where they can safely be Jews. Hmm. Um, I had, I had, I had even clergy, Christian clergy, say, "Well, this isn't valid. You know, um, you know, this is this is just a this is just a guilty Westerners in, imposing colonialism on the poor Muslims." Well, let me be a historian for a minute to all of my deluded colleagues. For a thousand years, Islam did nothing but conquer. From 632 to 1683, hmm. it was one conquest after another. And Polish cavalry on September 11th, 1683, beat back the armies of the Ottoman Empire at Vienna. Or all of Europe would have fallen under the crescent. Hmm. Okay? Since that time, Islam... The Empire, Ottoman Empire went into steep decline. European colonialism was not benighted and perfect, but it lasted 100 years, not 1,000 years. And all of its infrastructures are still being used today. Yeah, so true, I'm not defending all of the European conquests. I'm only saying people... People think the Muslims are the victims of the white Europeans. They, they were for a brief period. But the Europeans, North Africans, um, Persians, you fill in the blank, have all been victims of jihadism for a thousand years. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. So get some proportion here. Yes. But it's very popular to criticize Israel because she's an easy target. Um, you can't really, how do you criticize China? They just put you in prison. How do you criticize uh, Iran? They just put you into prison. And so what? And so it's very fashionable, but Jew hatred and anti-Semitism, anybody that tells you, well, I'm, a, I'm not for Israel, but I'm not against Jews. Uh, excuse me? Impossible. You Impossible. can criticize Israel policy. Israelis do every day. But Israel's existence to question that in light of history and in light of international agreement in the 20th century is to be an anti-Semite. Uh, what about, can we get to the root of the hatred here? Because I know this is biblical. Why is it that Israel finds itself in the crosshairs 
Why is it that anti-Semitism is on the rise around the world? I know there's a biblical root to this. I want you to address it. Well, in addition to what we call the tribal and ethnic differences in the Old Testament, what we call the Hebrew Scriptures, um, there is there's two types, there's three types of anti-Semitism. Number one, and we have to just simply lament with tears, the Christian church is guilty of religious anti-Semitism. They listened to the words of the paid-for mob that said, crucify Jesus and his blood be upon us and our children. That was not theology. That was a paid-for mob sending Jesus to his death. And they turned it into a theology of being Christ killers and deserving God's judgment instead of realizing all of the first followers of Jesus were Jewish. So religious anti-Semitism. Then there is um, ethnic anti-Semitism, uh, ethnic and religious, represented by Islam. They're, they're, they, they can be second-class citizens at best, but in the end, we've got to kill them. The third one is biological anti-Semitism, and this is what the Nazis did. They, and so both Islam and the Nazis make Jews subhuman. And they, all of their own conspiracies and lust for power, they put on to Jews. Now, sometimes Christians give into that, but the Christian anti-Semitism was usually religious. But I have to be really honest about our own history. The first yellow stars were in the 11th century. The first crusades were against Jews. And so Christian churches have much to lament. But underneath this is the demonic, yes, um, the, the demonic stronghold of Jew hatred, forgetting that we owe all of what we believe and understand to be divine revelation to the people who first received it. And and so a lot of this hatred, really, if we were to go back to the the, the biblical roots, the demonic roots, if you will, yeah. has to do with the fact that it was. The, the line of David, well, beginning with Abraham, but the line of David, the Jewish line of David that yes. brought forth Messiah. Yes. They're killing that line. And, and likewise, as you said early on, these same entities have it out for the authentic Christians as well. I think of my friends, I've got two, I mentioned that Bible study uh, on Saturday mornings with our, our brother from Kurdistan. Well, I've got friends in Nigeria who also join us. They're Christian people. All hell is breaking loose right now in Nigeria as as radical Muslims are killing Christians. You know, and just you, like what you're yep. seeing in Israel. This is happening every week in Nigeria. It doesn't even make the news, Doctor History. Well, that's because uh, we don't have the same kind of geopolitical interests, right, uh, with Nigeria that we do with Israel. But that, but that said. Brian, you've hit something really important here. This is a demonic ideology that keeps finding place. For example, people talk about Jewish money or Jewish control of things. You've heard these kinds of mm -hmm. memes and sayings, right? The fact of the matter is all through history, most Jews, like most of humankind, have been desperately poor. In a few brief moments, they were allowed to be bankers because at one point they're the only ones that could lend money. In, in the medieval period. Yeah. And, and and to the credit of the Jewish people in the 19th and 20th century, when they were given some tiny opportunities in the West, they did extraordinarily well. But 
and or disproportionately successful because of the virtues and values that they espouse. And what happens is, look at the difference between Israel and all of her neighbors, economically, socially. Um, Israel is a net exporter of energy. She is the most compassionate nation in the world, even dwarfing the U.S. proportionally in terms of compassion dollars. Her technology is second to none. And she invites her neighbors to share this. Mm -hmm. And instead, they want her destruction. And here's the real challenge we have. For instance, even the, the current climate here in America, where the entire American experiment is nothing but a genocidal experiment. Well, America is an empire. I'll come on another time. And I'm going to do it. We're going to have fun doing the history of America as an empire and the history of kingdom of God activity. But the fact of the matter is people love their narratives to allow themselves to be victims and to rage against the very machine by which they prosper. So, Dr. History, just from a biblical perspective. Yes. Uh, this this hatred, this violence. It, it may end soon, but the end game is more violence, correct? Well, there's going to be, there will be, there can be seasons of peace. And I, and again, um, Jewish and Gentile believers in Messiah Jesus are called to be peacemakers. By the way, Brian, your family has deep Jewish roots. Um, mine does not have, I'm, I'm grateful we're grafted in. You're grateful that your family members have come to faith. And if you read Romans 9, 10, and 11 carefully, there's never a point where any Christians are to be contemptuous of God's ancient people. Uh, they need Messiah, and we're to pray for that. Uh, and it, it will be to the glory of God and the good of the world for many more to be grafted back on. But there's never a biblical justification for hatred, for persecution of anyone. But we can expect as Christians who follow Messiah Jesus and believe the Jewish scriptures, we can expect persecution. We can expect hatred. And when we stand with Israel, we're not standing for every policy. We're standing for the right of God's ancient people to live in peace. We're stand And by the way, that's a right that they bequeath to the world with our great scriptures. So biblically, this is a demonic stronghold. And by the way, Paul had to deal with this. He had to tell Gentiles, don't get arrogant. And then he had to tell Jewish friends, hey, they don't have to be kosher in order to become Christians. They're equal. So Paul had to deal with it from both sides. Mm -hmm. But he did a brilliant job of it. And you and I right now are the living legacy of this. Brothers through Jesus Christ, one with Jewish heritage, another with Gentile heritage. And um, neither one superior to the other but I will say on my part, deeply indebted to the other. Are these, and I just have to ask this question because this is a question of the day for many people. Um, is what we're seeing in Israel right now a sign of the end times before the return of Jesus as Messiah to, to planet Earth? What, what are your thoughts there? I will call it definitely precursors to the final battles that Scripture describes. So I pray for peace. I hope mm -hmm. there can be seasons of peace. Uh, by the way, Brian, the next uh, the next uh, event on God's salvation calendar is the return of Jesus. Uh, we are all looking forward to it. But there's a lot of um, act 
we're told to occupy well till he comes. So I'm going to give you an unqualified yes. These are the wars and rumors of wars. These are the the kind of beginning of troubles described by scripture. There's an intensification. So I pray for peace. I hope Israel can flourish. I hope there's more peace treaties. At the same time, look at the alignment of empires and nations against Israel. Look at China's rise and, and China's desperation for energy, for money, uh, demographic, economic implosion about to happen in China. Look at Russia's attempts to become an empire again. All of these are found in Scripture. So I don't know that I don't know the chronological time frame, but we are certainly in a season where we're seeing the rehearsal of what will be the final battles. Perfect. Dr. History, thank you for your time. I really appreciate you joining me on the program. It's an honor to be with you and look forward to uh, chatting again. Well, that was a great interview with Dr. Charlie Self. By the way, his website, drcharlieself.com. Also, the book website is discipleshipdynamics.com. And the book that I was referring to is Life in 5D. Thank you for joining me. We pray for peace. We pray for love. We pray for truth. Stand up for the truth, my friends. Take what you learned today and be bold to apply it with love. Thanks for joining me. More on me, of course, at briansussman.com. If you like what you heard today, please make sure you subscribe. God bless you. Until next time.